This episode of the Better Every Shift podcast is brought to you by Lexipol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit Lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Now let's get into the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Better Every Shift podcast. My name is Aaron Zamzel. With me, as always, is Janelle Fasquette. How are you, Janelle? Uh, Janelle, by the way, is the editor-in-chief of Fire Rescue One. I am also, uh, I'm a firefighter. I, I'm a writer for Fire Rescue One. And Janelle, did you know, someone told me I was the voice of the fire service now that we've done this 41 times. I don't know if I can really own that one or not, but it sounds really cool. Oh yeah, I think we need to add it to your bio immediately, and I need to like send some sort of like chalice or, you know, prize. Some prize. Maybe I'll put a patch on that says that with a little microphone or something on it. But yeah. it's been a fun journey, and it's one that we're not going to stop, drop, and roll today on because we have with us Andrea Vassis, who is with uh, the NFPA. We're going to talk about fire prevention and uh, dig really into the messages that uh, that NFPA is trying to convey. Um, so welcome, Andrea. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. This is great. Really appreciate it. Now, you're calling from uh, from a, a campus uh, somewhere, a college, college campus? I'm actually at the Alabama Fire College in Tuscaloosa, Alabama today because we're here doing some trainings with fire and life safety educators. And so this is great. And what a, what a better place to be, really, um, than where it really happens and where our fire service get trained. It sets the mood for the uh, podcast. That's for darn sure. Um, let me just read a little bit. You are the Senior Director for uh, Public Education with the National Fire Protection Association. Um, again, we're going to talk about fire prevention. We were talking a little bit behind the scenes. What's your background and um, how did you get to where you are today here with us? Yeah, thanks. I, yeah, as I don't have a fire service background, my background actually is health education and public health. So I actually cut my teeth as a worksite wellness educator. I used to go into companies and teach things like back injury prevention and smoking cessation programs, and then worked with um, the Department of Health, government health prevention programs, things like chronic disease prevention, cardiovascular disease, um, but really ways in which we can engage with communities and these were the places where I learned very boots on the ground about behavior change and different kinds of people and the different challenges that people face every day, right? People wanting to do the right things for themselves and their families, but there are a variety of reasons why people can't always engage in the, the safety and health behaviors we want them to. I've done some teaching. Uh, I was actually uh, at CVS Health before I came to NFPA, working with uh, pharmacists and uh, really helping with uh, their uh, expanding their scope of healthcare. And then five years ago, I came to NFPA to this really wonderful group of people in public education and wildfire dedicated to being able to shore up the resources of residents and of the people who are doing the work with the residents. What's the biggest surprise going from kind of the outside, we call it from the outside, and then coming to the fire service? Just off the top of your head, what's the biggest thing you're kind of like, oh, my gosh, this is a little different here? Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, 
the true the true camaraderie the true care that the colleagues have for each other right you you work in basic places and colleagues get along and they care about each other they care about their work but working with the fire service man like they're in it because they care about their community and boy do they take care of each other and and have such a commitment not only to their community but to each other and i think that is just tremendous yeah we do a great job i would i would totally say that we we react really well now we're we're, we're working on being more proactive with yeah. our um you know support and especially on health and wellness and you know and speaking of proactive that's what fire prevention is all about so what's the main theme um you know top-down approach of 2023 what do we really want our firefighters to know okay so for fire prevention week right uh 2023 the theme this year is cooking safety starts with you pay attention to fire prevention and we're at 101 years of Fire Prevention Week, which is pretty impressive. It's the oldest running continuous public health observance in the United States, celebrated all over North America. And many countries actually have a version of Fire Prevention Week that they might do in October or some other um, piece of it. But, but at the heart of it, it's really about taking something that's relevant, that's going on, that is uh, affecting everybody in one way, shape or form and um, helping create some calls to action that can make a difference. And in this case, um, we have really dual audiences. We are going after the residents in the community, what they should know and, and understand that fire really still is a big issue and that fire safety is something that has to happen every day. And how do we help our fire service and our fire and life safety educators and our injury prevention people to equip them with ways they can continue to reach their, their communities. So really, I mean, fire prevention, you know, for a firefighter, we're like, Hey, I don't, <laughs> we have this idea. We don't, we don't want to, you know, we like the fires in a way like, right. Cause we're, we're a little bit different. So fire prevention, sometimes you say that to a firefighter, they go, Oh, it's that week, you know, but in all essence, we need to really embrace this because you're helping educate those uh, citizens and, and our communities to help us really in, in the same breath, correct? Yeah. I mean, I get it because you go into the fire service because, man, you have that adrenaline rush, right? You want to run into that building. You That's part of why how you're wired. And, and we really get that. Um, at the same time, uh, man, wouldn't it be so nice if we didn't have to always have you do that and send you in there? And you know, there are just too many um, times when it doesn't go as heroically as you had hoped. Mm -hmm. And so we need to do a better job of making it up on everybody's responsibility for fire prevention. Yeah. And, you know, I think that even though to Aaron's point, yes, there's a certain aspect of the adrenaline rush and they love to fight fires and catching a fire, you know, that's a term of like, excitement because they get to go do this thing that they've been trained to do. Of course, we get that. But at the same time, I don't think any firefighter wants to think about someone losing their home, being injured. Yeah. And when you put it in that terms, of course, and, you know, there's no suggestion that anyone is hoping for more yeah. fires in which people are injured or killed or anything like that. Right. 
but the sentiment there, I think we all totally understand because it's not the, the quote unquote sexy part of the job, right? But there are still too many people who are, who are experiencing these injuries and deaths. And I'm hoping, can you shed a little bit of light on why you picked cooking safety for this year's theme and, you know, really what we'll get into later, really what the fire department can, mm-hmm. how they can capitalize on that and what they can do. But yeah, tell us a little bit about the background. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're right, because I think the the changing nature of fire has made it so that there are a variety of things we have to do to, to, to keep up with it. Um, and just the changing nature of what fire service are addressing in their community right? It's not a lot of other things that are going on. And there's a lot of interconnectedness of their, the risk factors and the, the being part of a prevention process means you're connecting with your community in a whole different way. And um, you now become with your residents in it. And I think that's really exciting. Uh, but uh, every year when we think about Fire Prevention Week, we're like, okay, one finishes and we start thinking about the next year's theme. We, we have a few criteria, right? So number one, it has to be data-driven. We have to look at what's the data. Um, is something an emerging problem? Is something a continuing problem, a worsening problem, right? Um, uh, is there something actionable we can give people to do? So we need to be able to say, okay, we're gonna pick this topic, and we're going to give them these three things that they can do that actually can reduce their risk. And it needs to be universal enough. So something that it touches across geography, age, uh, demographic. And so maybe there's some disparities within it, but things that we can can really do. And so, um, you know, if I may, last year was our 100th anniversary. And we said, okay, 100 years later, what's later, what we know is that fire is faster, right? You used to have 11 at least minutes to get out safely from your home. You're down to about two minutes to safely get out of your home with today's home furnishings and the synthetics and open floor plans. And so that was part of why we said, you know, fire won't wait, plan your escape. And so this year, as we're continuing to look, we're like, what continue to be issues? Well, even as the number of reported home fires go down, um, the uh, proportion of cooking fire-related deaths has stayed the same in the last 40 years. And cooking fire has remained the number one cause of home fire and home fire injuries. And that kind of concept of unattended cooking uh, remains a major cause of cooking fire deaths. So the data's there and we're learning more about it and we're um, you know, seeing some, some changes in some of the um, deaths, deaths that have to do that are alcohol related. Um, and so again, no matter where you cook, how you cook, if you're not the one cooking, but someone's cooking for you, that's universal. It's actionable. There are things people can do to reduce their risk and the data really supports that this is um, that, that we need to continue to address. So what are the, what are the three major things that, that we wanted to, um, really hit home this year with, with this message, you know, as firefighters, and then also as, as members of the community too, right? We want to make sure that neighbors understand this family members understand this message. Yeah. Um, I think there's the few key things is, um, so 
cooking safety starts with you is all about empowerment, right? It's saying, you know, you everybody has a responsibility in a role in this. The pay attention part is the part that's about the relevancy of today's world. Uh, so I work from home now, right? I travel, but I also work from home. That means a lot of times I've got my computer set up in my kitchen. I'm cooking while I'm working. There's people around, uh, more remote work. Uh, my phone is dinging here. My work phone is dinging. My personal phone is dinging, right? We've got a lot of multitasking and distractions happening. And so, uh, so much of it has to do with, okay, we need people to start kind of the focus. So it's things like making sure that your cooking area is, is safe. Couple of, you know, key, key messages. So it's things like turning your pot handles inward. That's such a simple thing, but it's such a critical thing, especially because we know that kids or pets can, can knock into things. Even you can, right? When you're not paying attention, it's easy to knock into something. It can cause a burn. It can cause a fire when uh, grease or something spills out and keeping a lid nearby. Um, we know that at the very beginning of a fire, you can take that lid and slide it on a pan, turn off the burner, and you have extinguished that fire because the majority of these are cooktop fires. And so that cooktop is that is that place that needs that area of making sure you're in the right spot, that lid. Then there is things like setting a timer and just staying nearby. I might be simmering something or I'm heating something up, right? Um, and we have this concept that something takes longer to heat up than we realize. Or we don't realize how quickly that oil will ignite, will just auto-ignite. And once it does, it gets big, it gets big fast. And people, again, they don't understand the, the way fire works, and especially in a in like with grease or um, oil in a pan. So, you know, message one, you know, turn your handles, keep a lid. Message two. Uh, stay with your cooking, set a timer, right? You're simmering something, set a timer for every 15 minutes to remind you to check on it. Keep you focused on that cooking. And three, which is very much about um, preventing burns, scalds, and fires is keeping kids three feet away from where you're cooking and where you're serving hot foods or liquids. Uh, kids under the age of five bear a really high burden of those scalds and contact burns that are seen in the emergency department. So there's no place for a kid three feet or one meter from where you're cooking or where you're serving those hot foods and liquids. And you were saying, you know, off camera a little bit that that's, we're getting a lot of uh, more of the elderly that are, are getting uh, burned from uh, yeah. either like not having a, a, like being in within that same kind of perimeter, correct? Yeah, yeah. You know, we talk about stop, drop and roll, right? And it's not really a primary message for, for little kids. Uh, little kids need to understand the sound of the smoke alarm first and foremost and, and how to get out. Um, they're not catching fire, right? They're not igniting um, to the extent that they used to. But older adults are. And some of it has to do with if they're wearing you know, they're cooking with uh, in a bathrobe with longer sleeves um, on a range. They're not realizing their own, um, you know, space. Right. Um, and so actually 
8% of the cooking fire deaths for older adults actually had to do with igniting their clothing, igniting. Hmm. So uh, older adults do need to know how to stop, drop and roll. And especially for older adults thinking about, you know, is your medication making you drowsy, um, setting a timer, um, you know, I think things like, oh, I'll just be a second. A package was delivered, right? We also like, all right, the packages are being delivered. I'm just going to run to the porch and get that. I can leave what's on the stove, turn off the stove because you know what's going to happen. You end up on your front porch and then you start talking to somebody or mm -hmm. whatever. And all of a sudden that 30 seconds turns into three minutes and you've completely, you know, bypassed the fact that you've got something on the stove. Oh my gosh. How many times has that happened? It's like, there's no way I'm going to forget this. I'm actively making dinner. Like, yeah, yeah. I can't possibly yeah. forget. But then, like you said, you just like step into the other room, some other instant distraction from life. And yeah. before you know it, I mean, how many times have I like heard, oh, my gosh, my stuff is boiling over right now. Hustle back into the kitchen. I've now made a mess. Haven't yeah. caught anything on fire yet. But, you know, it's. It happens so fast. Right. It's like, easy. And we're all so distracted. And that's it. And, you know, no one's doing this on purpose, right? That concept of unattended. And I, I think that that's a, you know, unattended is a, is a really major category of cooking fires um, and of cooking fire deaths. Is it that people are like, well, I'm just going to leave this alone and walk away and I don't really care about it. Is it really that? Or is it that it's like, oh, I'm just going to go get something or you know, maybe somebody is cooking under the influence of some drugs, alcohol, or medication, where they're like, I'm just going to sit down for a minute, and then they fall asleep. Um, so, you know, these are things that are very easy to happen. And that's why we're trying to get people to build in these habits yeah. of just set that timer, keep that lid, stay in the kitchen, like, put, put those things near you, uh, you know, and there's all the sub messages too, right? When you're cooking, have all your ingredients ready to go there. So you don't have to go searching in the pantry while something is starting on the stove. Yeah. Cooking by Instagram sometimes is a little distracting. I think that we could probably <laughs> add to it where you're, yeah. you know, make sure you got your recipes all set, but you know, like even so if you're, if you have a headset on, you got your, your cell phone there or whatever, there's cords that, uh, again, you look at, they can hook the pan handle. Uh, you know, it's just, there, there are, there are more things in the kitchen. Kitchens are now, you know, the mainstay of a lot of attention and, and entertainment. So there are distractions all around, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, just being more present. Do you see that in, not only in, 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 in just in this fire prevention week, but like, you know, you've been here now five years. Are you seeing that as a common theme throughout the last couple of years, more than ever? You know, I think what's happening is people are pulled in so many directions. So there's the, I don't have time for this. There's the, you know, um, there's the, just people are multitasking. They're moving quickly. They're not realizing, right? They, they take their groceries, they're throwing things around and maybe they're bumping into something and, and turning on the, the stove. Um, but I think there's also just the piece where our headspace is full of so many things we have to remember to do, things that we think we're at risk for, right? And so we know that we're 
we know that we're doing things like competing for space in people's heads for what they think that they should be focused on, right? You know, my kids are worried about active shooter in their schools. Um, you know, people are worried about, you know, heart disease, cancer, different things, and uh, the intruder in the house, you know, those kinds of things. And so yeah. people don't always think about fire as, as that major threat to them. And so that's part of a shift in the sort of behavior of people is we're also fighting for a little bit of headspace there to be like, no, no, these are the reminders you need. Like this is, this should be high in your list of things to prepare for when they're maybe thinking about, well, I'm, I'm already doing this, this, and this for, you know, making sure that I don't get mugged and I make yeah. sure that I, you know. Yeah. So we don't think about that. Yeah. We don't think about fire as being a danger as much as it used to because it's there's it's you I think you hit it right on the head. We're competing with so many other kind of things these days, uh, yeah. you know, uh, but unfortunately, the message still based on even what we said last year is fires traveling faster, hotter. Yeah. You have to react uh, faster than and, and think about it and be more present with it. And I think Janelle is going to add to that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going to say real quick. It's it's funny that we don't think about it as much of a risk when it's so much more likely that we're going to experience a cooking fire just based on the fact that we do this all the time. Like we're cooking, right? Well, some of us don't cook as much, as much <laughs> but you know, <laughs> when people cook every single day, you know, there's a pretty high likelihood that something could happen there. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. whereas some of these other things we talked about, you know, are much less likely to occur yeah. in our lifetime. Um, but yeah, I think when we were talking about, you know, competing for the messages, that's why it's so important to keep these messages simple, short and simple. And yes. then do you imagine that when, you know, something happens, like, you know, a, the crew responds, puts out a fire, are they then taking those three messages and saying, and relaying them to, um, the, the folks that had the emergency, are you encouraging firefighters to share that message in the moment or is it more beforehand or both? I think there's, there's a lot of ways to do it because, you know, that's kind of the, there's the message, there's the messenger, and then there's the context within it, right? So in the moment of an emergency, when something happens, you have that moment maybe to work with your media because your media is the one reporting on that to make sure that they have those top talking points to say, okay, you know, fire broke out today and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, your local fire department reminds residents to X, Y, Z. And that's a good way to do it. Um, I'm also a big promoter of, okay, so when something goes wrong, we have that 30 seconds of people's attention to get those messages in there. How about when something goes right? We need to do a better job of this thing happened. People got out. They knew what to do. They had a meeting place. They did all the right things. And that should be a story too. Because we need to do, it's not just the, the um, you know, the bad experiences. Because a lot of people can easily go, well, that wouldn't happen to me. Well, I, they can find reasons why that's not them. But when something happens that worked well, you're giving people a like, oh yeah, like I can do that. And we want to reinforce it. And then it's about meeting people where they are, right? So that's why Fire Prevention Week 
and you know people celebrate it all month long in October, that gives both a national campaign, an umbrella under which now you can really hit locally because everyone's doing it across the board, right? We're really fortunate that our uh, our sister agencies, you know, the uh, those agencies that we with whom we work, obviously USFA um, and other agencies, they're out there saying the same thing. And then it's going across local fire departments and state fire marshals. And that collectively gives a force because people hear it in a variety of ways and they don't even realize that they're taking it in through social media, through an open house, through their schools. Or even through, as you pointed out, an example of, hey, uh, you know, this is an example where cooking got a little out of control. They had the lid there because they were prepared. They were attentive. They threw the lid on. They were able to, you know, call the fire department just in case. Uh, but when we got there, fire was out. We just helped ventilate. Everybody was safe. House was good to go back, you know. And, um, you know, we all learned a really great lesson on the value of of uh, being attentive and prepared yeah. during cooking fires, right? Like, highlight those things. Exactly. The successes have to be there because those saves are just as important, if not more important in that moment, because you're giving people something to do. What What's one thing that you would uh, recommend for departments that are maybe struggling with getting the message out there? What do you think that we need to really kind of work on just in general, you know, working with the public? You've been dealing with educating the public for many, many years. What's one thing that we need to improve on as a whole in the fire service? Um, I think that um, it would be about not trying to, there's that term, don't boil the ocean, you can't boil the ocean. It's not about getting the buckshot approach of like, let me get every single message out and tell you every single thing. It's about looking at what are the most critical issues in your community and drilling into those and then maybe doing fewer deeper. And it's okay to do fewer deeper, right? You're not going to solve everything. You're not going to prevent every fire. You're not going to prevent every heart attack, right? Um, but if you can reduce that risk because you've touched upon the major pieces, right? If every single person cooked with a lid next to them and knew how to slide that lid on, we would see a big shift in the data, right? Yep. And so I think, you know, resources are obviously an issue um, and you may or may not have a full-time fire and life safety educator. It's talk to each other about what you're doing because you don't have to all be doing something different. You can talk to your neighbor fire departments about what are you doing this week? Hey, maybe we can all do it. Um, and it's focusing on a few key things that your data shows, your incident data, you know, what's going on in a shift in your own community. Um, I think those are important. And, and I do think it's important to use things that happen in a community as a as a foundational piece and we can say you know we won't want this to happen again and here's how we can can take it but it's i think we need to be a little simpler and a little deeper than feeling like you have to squeeze it all in yeah i think that's one of the themes that comes up over and over again on the show is when people want to make change and feeling overwhelmed by not knowing where to begin it's like decision yeah. paralysis um so i like your message here about focusing on what matters 
in your area, but also we don't need to reinvent the wheel here. Now your team has done so much great work. There's yeah. all these tools and resources available on your site. Fire Prevention Week is coming up in a matter of weeks. You know, there are, there's so much already out there that they can dial into. So can you tell us a little bit about the resources that exist um, on the NFPA website? Yeah, yeah. And and I think that's the thing, like I was saying, is I, I was so amazed to come on to this team and um, who are really passionate about this work and really care about uh, the fire service, the educators and the community. And so um, I get to be here and be like and do the the talking, but the work that happens <laughs> um, in the background um, is is really important. And you know, I um, we have colleagues uh, who work on Fire Prevention Week. Our public education team is pretty small. Amy LeBeau, April Hart. Um, it really is a full NFPA effort. So I say two names, and there's a lot of work that goes on to get a Fire Prevention Week up and running, right? But if you go to FirePreventionWeek.org, what we've done is put content for you that you can plug and play. And you, we've done a variety of it because we understand that there are different demographics. So for the fire and life safety educator for the fire department, go to the toolkit page. And as you're scrolling down that toolkit page, you will find community ideas with, you know, ideas for trying different things out beyond the open house, right? Open houses are fine, but all different ways you can reach people. Um, and then we have a variety of fillable resources. So we've templated event flyers and press releases um, and talking points that you can then localize and put into your community. And then as you continue to scroll down that page, we've created a variety of social media cards that are pre-formatted. They're in English and Spanish, and we actually have them in French as well uh, for our Canadian friends. And they cover a variety of types of cooking, so grilling, cooktop, baking, and a variety of ages. And that even includes one that's a, you know, uh, clubbing and cooking don't mix. So for college students, late night when you're coming home, do not cook, right? Or, you know, after a night out, order in. So we've got a variety that you can use and plug into your social media. Again, depending on your demographics and what you're trying to do. We have logos that you can download so you can brand things, Fire Prevention Week. We actually have a variety of tip sheets and these are actually one of our most utilized assets. We have a variety of tip sheets on a, on a number of topics. And within cooking, we have cooking, grilling. We have a new one on electrical uh, cooking appliances because people are using air fryers now and pressure cookers. And those you can download, plop your department logo on and reproduce and, and put out there. And so on our toolkit page, that's the one, just go through it. And then we have a whole activity section, lesson plans and coloring sheets and activities. And, and I will say it's all in the cooking theme and within the activities, we always add smoke alarm messaging and home escape messaging. I call it the trifecta, right? Because those are the top three things that we always have to focus on cooking, escape planning, and uh, smoke and carbon monoxide alarms. That's the, the trifecta of, of the, 
work that we do. And so when you're teaching about cooking, you're also always teaching about the importance of smoke alarms and having an escape plan, you know, to go along with those messages. So Andrea, I see the message, the Sparky is part of a lot of the messaging, which is is great because obviously brings the, the kids in and there he is right there. You have some clever sayings and slogans that really try to draw attention. What's your favorite? Oh, gosh. No, Sparky's the best. So, you know, Sparky's our mascot. And, you know, it's it's one of those things when we do it by the numbers. NFPA is about 127 years old. Fire Prevention Week's 101. Sparky's, dun da 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 72, right? Oh, uh, Sparky's. He's, he's been um, around since 1951. Is that in dog years or? Uh, wow, that's, yeah. So imagine. <laughs> he's, he's so, uh, but, you know, Sparky's a cue to action. And I think that's the other piece of it. And so when we think about um, things that will trigger, right? And so using Sparky as um, he's friendly, you know, he's wearing his uh, turnout gear. He He's, you know, an authority figure who's a friendly authority figure and he's a cue to action. And uh, so he is prominent in all themes. Uh, Sparky actually has his own website that's kid-oriented, sparky.org, which does not have any advertising and there's nothing sketchy about it. It's all vetted, age-appropriate content because, you know, if your kid's going to be on the computer doing stuff, have them learn about fire safety in a safe, not scary way where they can do it through games and activities. Uh, but but he is really the that that our he's our mascot and you know he's the guy everybody loves sparky <laughs> everybody does love sparky and and i didn't know he was 72 years old which obviously it that that message and using him promote to promote the message uh works really really well uh to, just to summarize this year the biggest thing you know um with 2023 when when i'm a firefighter going in and i'm i'm and I'm, I'm conveying this message. Uh, you know, you talked about the handle, you talked about having a cover, being attentive, anything else. What, what's uh, another little tip or a trick that I could use, or you could give me as a, as a firefighter going into the, to speak with, uh, you know, the children about, about this message for 2023. Well, and, and I think that's, that's the question is saying is like, right. If you're talking to kids, um, your message is a little different, right? Your message is, you know, stoves, ovens, air fryers. These are tools. Um, they get really hot. Um, you know, for younger children, we actually have activities called hot, not hot. Right. And so it's, it's the stay away from hot things, stay away from things that might be hot, sometimes are hot. Right. Um, and so it's, it's really about recognizing sort of that space and being able to say like, these are things you don't go near. These are things that are for adults to use. Um, you know, when we start talking with older kids who might be doing a little bit of cooking or microwaving, right? Now we're focused on some, how do you use the microwave safely? Um, reminding the college students that water goes in the mac and cheese before you stick it in the microwave, <laughs> which I keep hearing is one of those things that keeps happening over and over again. Uh, and so it's, it's very much about the, you know, paying attention, uh, you know, don't, 
don't be texting and cooking, uh, be on the Snapchat, things like that. Um, and so then it's really about who your audience is. With college students, we talk a lot about just being safe in the kitchen, not having a lot of stuff around. You know, you're thinking you're going to like uh, study and cook, you know, keep your books away from it. Um, and, and it's really just about, you know, some of those setting the stage. And if you notice, we try to keep our we try to keep our things in a positive note, right? We try to remove the don'ts, right? Um, keep kids three feet away, uh, as opposed to don't let kids near the stove. We we try to, messages need to be posed because nobody wants to be told what not to do because then they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just doesn't sit right. So um, I think the other thing is that when you're on fpw.org, firepreventionweek.org, you can find all those sub messages. And then certainly we have our educational messaging desk reference, which is also linked into our toolkit page. So there's a whole chapter on cooking fire safety. It starts with the most important messages. Stay with your cooking. Keep an eye, you know, keep an eye on what you fry. Um, setting a timer, making sure things are are set. And then it will go on to things like if you're grilling, where to place the grill, um, sticking with your grill. If you're using um, a, an appliance, keeping it away from uh, kids and on a countertop away from kids, things like that. Even just cooking in the oven, right? Uh, it's easy to forget that there's something on the oven and recognizing that you know, just once something's on the stove and it gets heated, it gets hot. And once that fire starts, it's being heated from the bottom and it's there. And mm-hmm. so that is what keeps it going and, and makes it bigger. And also, I think with kids, too, it's it's about, um, you know, reminding parents of these things. Right. And working as a team. Hey, there's something on the stove. I, you know. As, as a kid, I got to remember, I need to make sure I, I stay clear and don't try to distract mommy or daddy too much because there's something that's hot that's there. Yeah. And, you know, cooking can become very much a family affair. And so we actually have a kids in the kitchen activity, things that they can do in the kitchen so they can participate in the cooking process. You know, it's not like we want to keep them, you know, like that. Oh, no, cooking, you can't have anything to do with it. And so we actually have a kids in the kitchen activity and different kinds of things that we want them to be able to engage in. They can set the table, they can help prep some vegetables, they can do different kinds of things and be involved with it. But the actual, you know, use of that range top and stove and oven uh, has to be done by someone who's alert um, and and able to, to do that. So Andrea, this is great stuff. Really appreciate all the insight. Uh, especially for a firefighter like me, I think you gave us just enough. I got my head wrapped around the messages, but you're not done yet. We like to do, uh, we like to dig a little bit more in depth into, you know, you and and a little bit about your background. And we put you on what's called the hot seat. We just ask some personal off kind of off the wall sometimes questions. They're either from our my our moms who were our very first two listeners. Now we we have more than that, so we get some feedback from listeners and. Um, and Janelle uh, likes to prepare some of these just from uh, her staff meetings and, and other guests ask uh, some of these questions as well. So I'm going to have Janelle uh, ask the first question. All okay. right. Uh, to be honest, have you ever caught your kitchen on fire? 
I have not. I have had some close calls. <laughs> any any worth sharing that there might be? Uh, no, you know, it's so one? funny. Like three days before my first day at NFPA, I had put some water to boil on the stove. And what did I do? I went upstairs to do something real quick, completely forgot. It boiled down, 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 down. I come downstairs and I'm like, and I'm like, oh my God, I haven't even started this job yet. And I'm going to lose it because I'm going to catch my kitchen on fire. (laughs) And that one moment was like, okay, like it was, you know, um, and that I have to tell you, I set a timer all the time now. I set things in like five minute increments, 10 minute increments, because I have the worst short term memory. So, uh, yeah. Just a little secret. It happens at firehouses too. We, we get called and, uh, someone may forget to turn off the, the stove or the, or the, uh, uh, griddle. And so, uh, I, I know there's a lot of people kind of chuckling and pointing fingers right now if you're listening to this in a firehouse, mm-hmm. but I've known of a couple instances where, uh, as you are on a call, you get a tone or a page to your firehouse address. It's embarrassing, especially if you're the cook. Uh, but it happens, happens, uh, to, to all of us. So, uh, you know, that's why we have fire departments. That's why we have NFPA. That's why we have fire prevention. So, um, you know, working with the NFPA, you mentioned that it's a different type of work. What is an instance where you've really seen the uh, positive effects of the work you're doing? A moment of pride, I guess we would say. Uh, so a personal moment of pride was that my daughter, uh, well, she just graduated college this year and last year her friends had an off-campus apartment and she called me and she's like, mom, there's no smoke alarms in the bedrooms and the windows are painted shut. What should they do? And I was like, yes, that's my kid. Right. And she's like, and, and I'm like, yeah, they have to call their landlord right now, or they're calling the fire marshal on him. So that was a really nice personal moment of pride where, um, you know, she looked at it. She was in her friend's apartment and, and she noticed, and she paid attention to that. Um, so that was, that was pretty awesome. Um, a story that I tell now when I'm with educators is like how they don't realize the true effect that they have um, is I was in New Mexico uh, working on a training and was told about an older woman who lived alone who called animal control. And she called them and said, I have a bird in my house. I have a bird in my house. I can't find it, but I have this bird in my house. Come help me. And the animal control showed up and it wasn't a bird. It was the chirp of the smoke alarm. And that animal control officer could have been like, you crazy lady, that's the smoke alarm and just go get a new battery. But they didn't. They called the local fire department and helped get new smoke alarms put in for her and made sure she had all working smoke alarms. And to me, that is a a source of pride that all fire and life safety educators should take because this person knew it and cared enough about it and recognized that it was an important enough issue to help their, this older woman and knew, oh, I should call my local fire department. They'll know what to do. So that to me shows that even if you don't always realize that you're having an impact collectively, it's, it's out there. It's, it's making a difference. 
Now, can you think of a time when you were in your daughter's position and you were somewhere and you were like, time out, folks. I see that, you know, this rule is being broken. You need this detector, something like that. Do you kind of see everything now through the lens of fire prevention? I do a little bit. Yeah. Like I, I, uh, if I, I was at somebody's house and the, they were cooking and the handles were out and I just casually walked over and tripped <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, I was like, you know, like, like, and you know, things like that. Um, I, I notice. Um, and so I have become a little bit of, of that person. I try to do it. I try to remember to do it in the way that you're supposed to do it. Um, which is, Hey, Oh, I noticed this thing. Oh, you know, um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I definitely tend to see a, a lot more of that. And um, even just, you know, my, my parents' uh, smoke alarm, uh, the chirp happened and they called me. They're like, oh, we need a new battery. So my husband and I came over and it was old. So we needed a whole new unit because it was over 10 years old. And so, of course, you know, I put it on and I test it. And my mom's like, oh, that's what it sounds like. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've been doing this for five years and I've never like with you said, hey, by the way, this is the sound of it. So, yeah. So you mentioned you've you've kind of gotten this different lens to look through things. Uh, what's what's another thing that you're doing to be better? Hence, you know, better every shift or, you know, for you, uh, you know, better every season or better every, you know, safety week. Um, yeah, is is. um is, is bringing that. I mean, I think, but, but I'm trying to be better personally with it so that I bring it forth in the way that we should be doing it with our community members. The hardest thing to do sometimes is with your family members, because you jump right in and you're like, oh, you need to be doing blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you wouldn't do that as an educator. You wouldn't go in and tell people what to do because mm -hmm. nobody wants to be told what to do. And so I'm trying to be better, like with my own, if I see something to, to do it in the way that I would do it as an educator um, and say, oh, I noticed this thing. Uh, would it be okay if I asked you more about it or, you know, said a couple things about it uh, and, and do it? Um, I think uh, it's that. And then I think the other thing professionally is who's being left out of this conversation? Who's being left out of the messaging, Right. A couple of years ago when we were doing Learn the Sounds of Fire Safety and we we're talking about, you know, the we wanted to make sure that we were focused on people who are deaf and hard of hearing, right? Who's being left out of getting access to things like smoke alarms and the types of smoke alarms they need. Um, when we talk about escape planning, you know, people with disabilities, older adults, um, when we talk about cooking, you know, we need to be talking about a variety of cooking you know, we, there's a lot of great technology out there and we want people to start using the technology, but not everybody can afford to retrofit yeah. their, um, their electric ranges with temperature limiting. And so professionally, we need to be better at going, who's not, who's not being served by this message? Who haven't we reached with it? Who do we need to make sure we're paying attention to? Thank you so much for all your insight. October 8th through the 14th fire prevention week. Um, before we we let you go though we we want you to summarize as in you know briefly elevator pitch why firefighters need to listen to this podcast and what you want them to take away you ready okay firefighters need to listen to this podcast because um 
because we have a lot that we can offer you. And I think that that's the other piece is um, come to the website. It's there. It's free. It's there for you to take and use. And it's been developed by, you know, our team who get the input from experts from all over. Right. It's a blend of fire science and behavioral science and, um, you know, public health tradition and community risk reduction. And, um, you know, we have a variety of ways in which you can do these things and you owe it to yourselves and your community to take part in these and listen to these podcasts and read the articles and take trainings and take advantage of different opportunities to learn and network and grow your own uh, self and your toolkit, because that is a better you, right? You're busy giving to your community, put, put this into yourself, invest in yourself so that you can help your community. Um, and doing things like podcasts like this is a, a great way of doing this. So you can listen and, and learn from each other. Uh, I agree hundred percent. I mean, that's really what the podcast is about. And uh, your, your, your great point on, look, it's not just about putting the fire out. It's being uh, better at, at, at educating the community on, on how they can help prevent the, you know, injuries, accidents, fires, again, firepreventionweek.org, uh, for all the toolkits, handouts, um, you know, here at the podcast, you can, you can uh, send us a message at better every shift at fire onecom If you're listening to this podcast, you can actually go to our YouTube uh, page and YouTube channel on firerescue1.com and watch us in action. Uh, you can take a look at Sparky. You can see Janelle. You can see myself and Andrea. Uh, again, thank you so much for all the insight, Andrea. We'll look forward to um, you know all of the different things that are going to be happening October 8th through the 14th for Fire Prevention Week. Take this information to heart. Most importantly, make sure that you learn something, do something, and share something to make you and those around you better every shift. Thanks for listening, everybody.